Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. I'd like to just thank you all for taking the time to show some interest in the business and dial in on this web seminar. So my name's Simon Phillips, and I'm the founder and chairman of CT Automotive. I have our CEO, Scott, and the CFO, David, with me today. First of all, what I'd like to say is that I'm very pleased that we are being able to give our first presentation as the results of this public company, particularly given the performance of the business, which has been incredibly good given the very sort of like hostile year of trading that 2021 was. We'll give a brief reminder about the principal activities of CT Automotive and then a review of the 2021 business environment and how that translated into our financial results. And then I guess most importantly, what we're going to do is a review of the current trading and the general outlook for 2022, 2023, after which, you know, we'll then head to questions that you may have. Uh, some of you guys will probably already know CT Automotive, but for the people that don't, CT provides kinematic interior components and facial finishes for multiple OEMs. So these are effectively the components that move, like air vents, armrests, deployable cup holders, and the, the things that you will interface day-to-day with, with the vehicles that you're in. So each part that we supply tends to be unique for each model and typically requires years of product development. So our business is really split into two main areas. One is the engineering design and development, and those contracts can really be hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. And the reason why that is the case is that we do everything from the upfront design, testing, prototyping, production tools, automated line fixtures, and then finally sort of production lines. And those singular contracts um, typically represent about 10% of the business revenue. So, of course, the other 90% is the supply of production parts. And this is ongoing revenue that lasts for around six years, which is typically the product life of the, the vehicles. So we supply these parts from multiple technology centers and factories in various low-cost regions of the world, and we're employing about 2,700 people. These um, parts tend to get distributed through our supply chain network and through our DC centers around the world. So a reminder of the brands that we work with. So we have the premium brands, the volume brands, and also EVs. Premium brands being people like um, Bentley, Audi, Lamborghini, and then the volume brands being the, the likes of Ford, GM, and, and Nissan. So in the EV market, we work with um, companies like Lucid. We also work with an incredibly well-known EV company based out of California, which I'm sure you guys will know. But saying that, I mean, most of the volume brands these days are rapidly changing over to multiple platforms of EVs. CT as a, as a company is already kind of heavily weighted in the EV direction, but about 17% EV in relation to ourselves. And the great thing about that is what we are seeing is we're seeing increased value in terms of the content every time we transfer over to an EV platform. So a little bit about the growth. So we are extremely pleased to show that despite this incredible difficult trading conditions of 2021, you know, the things that we were all aware of, the chip shortages, the freight costs, the inflationary pressures, COVID and general supply chain issues. I mean, literally a perfect storm of everything that could possibly go wrong with the exception of what's happened recently with the Ukraine war. 
But despite all of that, CT yet again grew significantly, completely bucking the trends of the marketplace. So um, our top line revenue for 2021 was 133 million US dollars. And that is 17% up compared to 2019, even pre-pandemic times. And yet, if you look at that in comparison to the auto sector as a whole, the marketplace between 2019 and 2021 is actually contracted by 21.9%. So growth continues to be driven, in our view, at this sort of, what you could almost say, exceptional rate by our core values. And what our core values are is this constant innovation, you know, designing, developing, producing great products that our customers want to buy. Key to that is finding and maintaining the best possible designers, developers, and production engineers to ensure that that level of innovation is consistent and going. Focusing on our core product offering and constantly striving to be the best in the marketplace of what we do. With regards to the market overall, we have spent the last three or four years crashing down the doors of these OEMs and growing that brand that you've seen on the previous slide. And what that means for us today, we already have enough customers for the growth that we require, at least for the next five years. So what we'll be doing is focusing on gaining market share within all of these customers in the same track track record method that we've done with the likes of Nissan, Ford and Skoda. So finally, but not at all least, is that the company constantly challenge itself to be lean, continuous improvement to reduce costs and to remain highly competitive. And it is these business values that have allowed us to continue to expand in what has been a significantly contracting market across these last few years. At this point, I'll pass you on to Scott McKenzie. Hi there. So just a business review of 2021. And in reflection, this can be characterized as a year of two halves. With the year getting off to a great start and returning to strong volumes combined with stability in the customer schedules. This strong start to the year is recognised despite the fact that many countries were still upholding lockdowns to control ongoing COVID outbreaks. There was a clear change in strategies that ensured that these restrictions had little impact on CT Automotive. However, As we entered quarter two, our industry began to see disruption caused by the global semiconductor shortage. You can see the chart to the right plots the importer impact on production volumes. By this, what I mean is how much the production was impacted against the expected projections at the start of each of them quarters. You can clearly see that this peaked in quarter three before showing a steady ongoing recovery into 2022. It is indeed the short-term disruption that was most damaging to CT Automotive's margins. Our operations are very scalable, but we need clear visibility of volumes in order to be able to scale accordingly. We are obliged to be production ready to our customers to the levels indicated in the schedules. And given the length of our internal supply chain, there is a lead time required to implement process changes in an efficient manner. The short-term disruptions that we were seeing has never been a problem historically, as OEM planning has always been very accurate, with fluctuations being limited to low single-digit percentages. What we did see was that the effect on volumes was very much varied by platforms, with the OEMs cherry-picking which vehicles to focus their chip supply on. In many cases, this saw new electric vehicles more protected than original internal combustion engine models which helped CT Automotive, given our overweighted position in the EV space. On a more positive note, 
Throughout 2021, demand continued to outstrip supply, leaving a substantial pent-up consumer demand that rolled over into 2022. And finally, despite the disruptions in production schedules, we saw engineering, design and development activities continue at full pace, with launch dates remaining on track to the original timing. This is key to the OEM strategy of them wanting to ensure that they have their newest and most competitive platforms on sale when the recovery comes. So over to David Wilkinson, our CFO. Oh, thank you. Um, so the table here just sets out some key highlights from our numbers this year. I'll go into a little bit more detail on the following slides, but we're very pleased to report strong revenue growth, a substantial increase in profitability and a large drop in our net debt, which is primarily as a result of the proceeds of the IPO. Uh, so looking at our income statement, 2021 saw a great recovery for the underlying business after a very difficult 2020. Our revenue increased by nearly 21%. As we launched new vehicles, which layered on top of our existing business and continued to build our market share, underlying profits were up and in line with expectations, given the impact of the volatility and schedules, which Scott just talked about. And this provides us with huge confidence that as volumes continue to stabilise and then recover towards pre-pandemic levels, we see our margins continue to improve. So the charts here just analyse our revenue for the year. So the chart on the left shows our customer concentration and highlights a continued trend of reduced reliance on our top customer. That comes from the fact that we're continuing to grow and mature our relationships with the other OEMs. On the right, you can see our revenue progression by type, with engineering, design and development remaining fairly stable as OEMs continue to push their projects forward at more rates. Um, but it's our production revenue that grew by 26.5% in 2021, which really drove the growth. It's this production revenue that drives our long-term growth as we continue to layer new contracts, which typically last around six years, on top of our existing revenue. So that chart here just shows CT's growth relative to the overall volumes in the European and North American markets, which is where the majority of our sales originate. As you can see, over the past 10 years, we've grown at roughly five times the rate of those markets, which over the 10 years to 2021 have actually declined by about 30% due to the suppressed volumes that we've seen in 2021 as a result of the semiconductor shortage. Once the market recovers to unrestricted levels of production, we expect to deliver further growth in revenue in line with the longer-term analyst forecasts. So moving on to the balance sheet. So following the IPO, we've transformed CT's balance sheet, providing a strong and stable base, which we can use to take full advantage of the opportunities when the market starts to recover. Our net debt has dropped substantially, and the committed facilities provide plenty of headroom for our short-term working capital needs. Managing working capital has been key during the last two years of difficult trading, and this will continue to be a focus through 2022 and beyond to ensure we maximise our operating cash flow. And I'll just hand you back to Simon. Okay, thanks, David. And let's start talking about the things that we sort of outlined in the IPO and going into the future. So in terms of expansion, we are building the Mexico plant. It is completely on target. Production will start mid-July. Initially, we'll be starting manufacturing registers and armrests for Nissan. But the great thing is, is that this gives us the ability to access the North American market with reduced freight costs, elimination of duty, whilst maintaining a low cost base. So our customers like Ford and GM in the North American market gives us a great opportunity for expansion. The Czech plant, larger facilities have already been located and are in the throes of being signed up to meet the future demands that we have out there with the Volkswagen Audi group and expected to be online in August, September. General growth, the improved balance sheet and working capital that's now happened since the IPO allows us to take a far more aggressive approach than we've ever done before with regards to opportunities. 
So we are now quoting multiple new platforms, a large amount of new EV platforms that are coming up across our entire product range rather than singular components that we've done historically. With regards to margins, again, the strengthened balance sheet and the appointment of our new commercial director, Stuart Lorraine, who is driving materials rationalisation programmes and make versus buy opportunities out of our factories. And this is already yielding great results. I mean, during the IPO, we had an estimation of potentially about uh, an ability to reduce by about 5%. And that is looking highly probable. Our, in fact, our expectations is that the majority of this will be in place by H2 next year. Research and development, well, again, the refinancing of the business has allowed us to even push more money into the R&D side of the company. So we're focusing in two specific areas right now. That's focusing on innovative new product ideas to improve cabin air quality and automation within vehicles, which is far more what the EV market is requiring. And also fully robotic assembly cells to reduce labour and improve gross margins. So on this slide, what we've done is we've, we're showing a few of the different vehicles that we will be launching across 2022. I mean, in particular, what's, kind of, what's really interesting for us is um, the Volkswagen Anorak. I mean, it's the, the first launch of a, a joint platform between Ford and Volkswagen. It's 140,000 vehicles a year. In this case, on this product, about 15 US dollars a car set for us to be manufactured in South Africa. So managing supply chains. I mean, to say that in 2022, 2021, it's been a challenge would be a serious understatement. Raw materials, we've worked closely with our customers and we've successfully passed through raw material inflationary price increases. And I'd like to say even on this podcast, we appreciate their understanding of this difficult period and the support that they have given to us. Energy, I mean, as most of you people on the call will know, has gone up incredibly. I mean, the good thing is, is that within China, which energy is supported by the government based out of nuclear power plants, and we've seen really no increases whatsoever in that area. But in our manufacturing facilities in Turkey and the UK, we've seen um, energy costs go up as high as sort of 200 300%. And they're currently being negotiated, but we believe that those costs should be passed through in the next sort of month or so. Freight costs do appear to be reducing across H1. I mean, the vast majority of these costs have been handled by our customers. The expectation for continued freight cost reduction, whilst this doesn't really affect our business, it does impact our competitive position. So we're very pleased to see the current trends of the reductions in freight costs. And then we have probably the most concerning part, which is COVID in China. It continues to be a concern for us. We did um, experience a temporary shutdown for about one week in Shenzhen. But certainly from an OEM perspective, the action plans that they are taking is to increase their minimum stock holdings by at least a minimum of one to one and a half months, such that in the event of any issues occurring in China, they're well and truly secured for that. So S&P Global Mobility Data is an interesting outlook. So the outlook for 2022 was adjusted down slightly in April, mainly affecting Europe and China, and quite honestly, for the obvious reasons. I mean, Europe as a result of the Ukraine war and China as a result of the COVID lockdowns. The demand side remains very strong, with the main restrictions of supply continuing to be chips. Car companies' order books are full, as, as I think everyone is aware. A few are indicating even to the point that they may stop taking orders as lead times approaching over one year. Strong demand is allowing automakers to pass through these inflationary cost pressures to consumers. 
most car companies are reducing variation and increasing price. And I think that's why at OEM level, you're seeing this improvement in their gross profits. Data remains unchanged looking into 2023. Expectations from most of the OEMs is a recovery to normalised trading. So just, just in summary, we have a positive demand backdrop. OEMs remain fully committed to product development of new vehicles, so there's absolutely no slow up there. The impacts of the Ukraine crisis, although very difficult for a while, most of those suppliers have already been resourced. It affects two of our key customers, and they're almost already back up to full run rate. But by the end of H1, they'll be perfectly fine. And there's action plans actually in place to try and recover lost volumes. With regards to the launches that we had planned for this year, they still all remain on plan. There's no plan changes whatsoever for those. Customer schedules, they generally showing that an upwards trend. We are seeing them picking up, certainly into Q3 and into Q2. And looking at Q3, they look even stronger. Semiconductor shortage, I mean, as David showed, although still constraining supply, schedules continue to improve. And the fact that the ability that they have to forecast these semiconductors is absolutely exactly what we need because that smooths our production out. And by smoothing our production out, has a direct impact on our gross margins. So general cost drivers, the IPO funding has provided a capital boost to drive the cost reductions for margin improvement in the business. And that is yielding incredibly good results, which will definitely become apparent in H2 of this year. So as an overall, the board continues to remain confident of meeting FY2022's expectations. So I'll pass you back at this point and um, let's open up for any questions you might have. Many thanks. We will go to David Larkin at Edison. Two questions from, two questions from me. Uh, one on the financials, just a little look at the provisions that sort of went up quite a bit. I uh, wondered why that was. I mean, certainly automotive, as you say, you, you make the schedule, so I'm surprised provisions have been rising. And just on the outlook, I mean, we've heard some not particularly great stories from a lot of automotive companies recently really talking about the short term looking still pretty tough uh, you you seem to be much more optimistic about uh, the next three to six months just i'm not sure whether that's a question or um, really i'll answer probably the, the question in two halves i mean i guess tough. your your, uh, your you second part of your question with regards to um our optimism in this financial year 2022 i think it really comes down to the fact that in terms of the budgets we put in and the forecast that we put for our 2022 results we took a very harsh view from day one so we'd already made the assumptions that the sector was going to be really under a lot of pressure and by doing that we've allowed ourselves to build in a certain element of headroom so it's it's not that i would say that that the sector is going to do fantastic across 2022. I think we all know that it's not. I just think that what we did when we were forecasting was already planned for that. And with regards to your first um, question with um, provisions, I'll pass you over to David, our finance director. Yeah, so hi, hi David. So in, in terms of the provisions, um, you're absolutely right. We do, we do build to order, but equally, because of the length of our internal sh- supply chain, there is a level of... Um, Kind of longer term planning that we have to do in order to 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 prepare the stock in advance of it becoming firm orders um, and what typically happens at the point because we've had so much disruption over the last couple of years 
there are instances where stock was was on the longer term schedule, but that hasn't been required. Um, and what we have to do then is go through what's called a, an obsolescence claim, where providing we can prove to the customer that they had indicated they would need it and therefore we have made it based on that indication, we can claim that value back. However, those claims are, are, are tend to be quite protracted negotiations. So what we've done as at the year end is take a prudent approach and anything where we haven't got a claim agreed or didn't have a claim agreed by the time we close the audit, we have made a revision against it, but there is still an expectation that we will recover some of that value in 2022. And that's the end of questions. Simon, do you have any closing remarks? Um, I guess just as a final remark, I mean, it's, it is our first podcast that we've done. And so thank you to everybody who's, uh, who's attended and thanks for your interest in the business. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.